we are Centrepoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Hello, my name is Chris Kimbangi and I'd just like to add my welcome to Catherine um, and that Catherine gave you. Uh, so good to gather together with uh, family and friends, you know, new and old. So thanks for coming along. In fact, if you are new, you've picked a great week to come along because we're starting a new series today, a mini series, three weeks, uh, where we're going to be looking in the Bible specifically at occasions uh, when the church, the people of God, came together to give financially. Oh, that's a big topic, isn't it? And over these three weeks, we're looking at these three occasions, three times where in different instances the people of God came together to give because as a church over these few weeks, we're also going to come together to give. Not today, we're not going to do it today, but we are over the next week and the week after. And we're going to come to give a special offering. And right up front, I want to say that if you're a guest here, then I want to release you from any pressure to do anything that you don't want to do. In fact, every single person in this room, however long you've been part of Centrepoint Church, I want to release you from any pressure to do anything that you don't want to do. And I believe that you'll see that as we read through today's passage. You'll see actually that's a biblical thing to talk about. And over this three-week mini-series, we're going to look at these three occasions. And today we're going to look at how the people of God came together to build the church um, Next week, we'll look how they came together to extend the mission uh, outreach. And then on the third week, we're going to look to how they came together to serve the poor. And the special offerings that we're doing, the, the, this kind of special collection that we're taking money for, is also to do these three things. It's to build the church, to build our, the community of church, to expand what we do as a church. And so we'll receive money for that. We'll also receive money to extend our mission, to do outreach events, to, to, to make sure we're getting out into the community more. And, and that takes money. And then 10% of whatever we receive, we're also going to give uh, half of it to an international project and half of it to a local project and so we're going to be serving the poor through our giving too and so it's a good opportunity for us to talk about this and often giving can be a really awkward thing to talk about I don't know if you've noticed but people in the UK and British culture don't like talking about money it's a private thing and uh, if we're going to be a church though, that models itself on the Bible, then a quick look through the Bible, we will see that the topic of money repeats itself over and over and over again, right from the old all the way through to the new. And, um, and so actually it's good for us to talk on this. It's biblical for us to talk on this. About 50% of all of uh, Jesus' parables were directly based on money. Um, about 15% of the Gospels are, are related to money and talking about money. And so technically we could talk about this for eight weeks and that would be like 15% of our year and, and we'd be in line with scripture. But we're only doing three, which is good. And um, so it's biblical to talk about. And as we look through scripture, there are always different reasons for people to give. But I think we'll find that there's some core things running through it. Like it's always worship to God. We'll, we'll see that it's always a community affair uh, and uh, we'll see other things too. And do you know what? Um, the scripture has a lot to say about regular giving in terms of giving monthly or uh, uh, weekly in proportion to our income. 
and uh, has a lot to say about that. We're not actually talking about that. We're talking about something different. We're talking about a one-off free will special offering as an act of worship. It's, it's, a, it's, a different, it's like two different occasions that happen throughout the Bible, and we're talking about this one, not that one. So I want to encourage you to, you know, as we come up to a financial end of year, to review your regular giving, to think about how you're, you're giving as an ongoing basis to, to do that, but that's not what we're talking about in this moment. Okay, so we're going to be in Exodus chapter 35 and uh, we'll get right into it and then we'll talk about it. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. So uh, Exodus chapter 35, if you're not sure where it is, it's the second book into the Bible. So hopefully you'll, you could, you'll be able to find it quite quickly. It's the big 35. We're going to start from verse four and uh, the words will also appear on the screen. So here we go. Moses said to the, Isra- the whole Israelite community, that's the people of God. This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver and bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red. And my Bible says another type of durable leather. Yours might say something else. Um, It might say marine animal skin, like whale skin. It's quite hard to find in the desert, um, but it's a real precious item that some people have. That's kind of what it's talking about. Acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. All who are skilled among you, are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle with its tent and its covering. The tabernacle, I'll explain what that is in a a minute. Uh, Its clasps, frames, crossbars, posts and bases. The ark with its poles and atonement cover. And the curtain that shields it. The table with its poles and all its articles and the bread of the presence. And it kind of goes on and on and on for the next kind of five or six verses. Let's skip down to verse 20. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were winning, men and women alike, came and bought gold, jewellery of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen or goat hair, ramskins dyed red or this other durable leather brought them. Those presenting an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord, and everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work bought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple and scarlet yarn or fine linen, and all the women who were willing and who had the skill spun the goat hair. It's quite difficult to spin goat hair, apparently. The leaders, oh, there's leaders involved as well. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. We're just going to skip over into chapter 36. And verse 2 says this. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and to do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary and the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, 
so they stopped what they were doing and they came to Moses. The people are bringing more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and sent the word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Amen? It's a good, good passage, isn't it? It's an exciting passage. And this, um, what we're reading about, happened about two months after the crossing of the Red Sea. And so you had the people uh, who were slaves in Egypt. Moses comes, let my people go. Uh, you've got the ten plagues happen, and then they cross over the Red Sea, and they arrive to a place called Mount Sinai, and this is where they encounter God in an amazing way. And uh, on the mountain, God gives the Ten Commandments and other ceremonial law, and he also gives them instructions for building the tabernacle. So the tabernacle, it was like a mobile temple. It sort of um, it looks something like this, um, it, much more grander than, than this picture can really depict. But it was basically a big tent. And so when the Israelites were on the move, they would pack it all up. I mean, it would take hundreds of people to carry all this stuff, all the gold and all the, all the stuff. But they'd pack it up, they'd move. And when they stopped, they'd kind of set it all out in its place. And there they would have a place to meet with God and to offer sacrifice to him and the book of Leviticus kind of gives all sorts of instructions about how they're meant to do that and it's very detailed and um, the word kind of went out and people all around just kept bringing all that they had to help to build this together until all the work was done until Moses kind of had to say oh no no that's enough stop hold back we've got enough you need to let go and I you know, as just preparing for these three weeks, I thought it'd be good for us to kind of get into the Israelite head, into the men and women's head, into what were they thinking? Like, as this call came out, as this uh, command came out to come and build this thing, what, what, what was going on? You know, they're in like a big tent community. You've got a, a normal family in a tent and they're coming. And what, what would make them give? Why would they get to this point? And I, I believe that... There are four things that are true of the Israelites that are also true of us today. And so we're going to look at these four things and then we're going to come back and we're going to spend time worshipping God. Okay? So, number one, they identified with God. You see, everyone knew God. Throughout the whole passage, we see over and over and over these phrases like, they gave to the Lord. So verse 10, verse 4, verse 29, and verse 5 in the next chapter. What the Lord, is all about the Lord. What the Lord commands, verse 5, 21, 22, 24, and 29. It's all about an offering to the Lord. In verse 22, it's this wonderful equation as they give to the Lord for the work. They don't just give for the work. They come and give to the Lord for the work. And so it's, they, everyone knew God. No one was asking, well, you know, who is this God and is he really worth it? What's he really done for us? You know, we don't really know him amongst us. No one's asking that question. No way. Because they, they've seen God with them. Like I said, the ten plagues, the parting of the Red Sea. It's just a remarkable introduction to the God Almighty that they've just had a few months earlier. And so when, you know, the Israelites would have been around and they say, oh, we've got to give. Well, who says we've got to give? God says we've got to give. Oh, right. Oh, we better, we better do it then because... Because he's amazing, he's mighty. And uh, do you know what? So they, they've seen God. You know what? We know God too. And we've seen him and his presence amongst us. I've already mentioned, you know, Maddie and Ryan's baptism on Wednesday evening as we just came and gathered together and just 
God's presence in, in our meeting space and together as he came and spoke to us through their testimony and, and, uh, and just through pe- different people's words and through worship time. And, and we see his presence with us on our Sunday mornings in our meetings as we worship God and as we get together in life groups and in student and 20s groups and, and, we, and life explored as we go and encounter him. And we, we see God's presence amongst us in all sorts of different scenarios. And I know what you might be thinking. And you might be thinking, yeah, yeah, you're right, Chris, but, I mean, it's not exactly the parting of the Red Sea, is it, bruv? Like, come on, like, it's not quite the same. And you might be thinking, well, it's stretching it a bit far to say that's, that's the experience we're having. And do you know what? I would say that's wrong thinking. It's actually not biblical thinking. The reason why I say it's not biblical thinking is because Paul tackled this very issue. Uh, In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul compares the two things, the scene at Mount Sinai with God speaking to his people and the New Testament church uh, through the power of the work, through the Holy Spirit. And in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 7, it says, Now if the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation, that's through the law, the the Ten Commandments, was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness through the Holy Spirit, through the church? Glorious is like a good word to describe this. And do you know what? When the church shines forth, when people are set free, when they're healed of all sorts of emotional, mental and and, uh, physical pain, when... God breaks into situations and lives and breaks chains and breaks lies on people, then do you know what? The church of God is being glorious, shining forth, and the Holy Spirit is at work. And the Israelites, they were stirred to give because they saw that God was with them. And do you know what? Amazingly, we see God at work in our day, in our lives too. You know, we are centre point. And uh, like I mentioned, we're giving over these three weeks to building the church, extending the mission and serving the poor. And the extending the mission in terms of like our outreach, I'm going to speak more about that next week and serving the poor, I'll preach, talk about that other week after. But today, just as the Israelites came to build the tabernacle, which was the place where God dwelt, we also come to build the church. You know, God dwells now amongst his people. It's not just a one confined space, it's amongst his people. And this is key for us because... This is where we see lives transformed. We see people set through. It's through the church, through the people of God that we impact this city. So the money that we raise over these next few weeks uh, to build the church, well, some of them will be being, being able for us as a church to do what we currently do better. You know, it would be great for us to be able to add a little more resource to our kids' work and our youth work and our student work and just make sure that what we can do, we can just do it better. We can make sure we can just serve food at lots of different things that we do. And church is the only organisation that carries the message of Jesus, you know, what? and we want to serve it well, don't we? We want to make sure that all our leaders are trained and equipped and to, and to give to that. We also, though, I want to be able to give every single person who comes to this church who hasn't got one a Bible. I'd love to be able to do that. And it's great that we can have the words on the screen, but I want to give people a Bible because Bible illiteracy is at an all-time low, or Bible literacy is at an all-time low. Many people uh, don't have a Bible. When they do have one, it's like an old thee, thou, thys type one that they can't really understand. A recent study showed that 54% of 25 to 34-year-olds don't have or didn't have any Bible stories at the school they went to as they were growing up. 54%. Compare that with people that are over 50, that's almost 80%. 
And so we're, we're you know, and it's just getting lower and lower as, as we go through time. Uh, people in the same survey were asked about the Bible in relation to big recent movies. And 54% thought that the plot from the Hunger Games came from the Bible. Ridiculous. And 46% thought that the Da Vinci Code was based from the Bible. 34% thought that Harry Potter was based on stories from the Bible. And 25% thought that Superman was based from the Bible. The Bible is God's word to us, and it's just as important to get Bibles into China and the Middle East as it is to get it into the UK into the hands of people today, because it can change and transform lives. It's God's word to us, and I want to be able to give people them who don't have one. Does that make sense? Other things, being able to run more courses, like provide food, yeah, food at their momentum, rented venues. We don't have our own venues, so we rent venues, being able to rent venues, being able to function well with them, and um, you know, things like uh, life explored. We currently have in our, you know, in the income that we receive month by month, we're able to run life explored once this year. And, uh, and it's great. It's going on right now. You know what? I want to run it multiple times. And maybe, you know, maybe other courses. I'd love to um, run like a couples course. You know, Guildford has been the highest rated in the divorce capital of Europe several occasions throughout the last 10 years. And you know what? There's people in our community who are wanting to build strong relationships and there isn't stuff out there for them to go to. We can help our community in that way. I want to run Freedom in Christ courses for people. Freedom in Christ is a course that helps people deal with emotional and mental well-being. It helps them to understand that their identity is in Jesus and not in their Instagram following. It helps them to break chains and lies in their life and to know all that it means to be saved by grace and to be a son and daughter of God. I'd love us to be able to do that. I'd love to run parenting courses. And, you know, it'd be great if we could have uh, the resources available to help. Catherine works in a school. She works in pastoral care. Many parents don't know how to uh, support their children with going on the internet and boundaries and all this kind of stuff. You know what? Well, we, we can help. And it won't just need money. We'll also need a team and training and get it all in place. And it'd be great to have referrals from the council. We'll need all sorts of stuff to go ahead. And so all of that will take time. But it'd be great that if we had an opportunity that money wasn't the thing that was holding us back, that we could get on, we could rent the space, we could bless the community, we could get in there. And in it all, we're trusting in God, believing that he's in it. You know, we, the last time we did a special offering like this and preached into this was 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, we amazingly, we raised £11,000. Isn't that fantastic? You know, and I'd love to exceed that. And I don't, re I don't really have a figure. Uh, what I do know is that the more we're able to raise, the more we're able to do, the more we're able to bless our community by building the church, extending the mission, serving the poor. Does that make sense? They identified with God. You know, they also identified with each other. Throughout the passage, we see real community feel. Words like everyone who is willing or everyone who has in verse 5, 21, 22, 23 and 24. All who are skilled came together, verse 10 and verse 2 of the next chapter. The whole community... Um, it's like all the people of God, men and women in verse 20, 22 and 29. Every skilled woman came together to, to do the, the goat's hair, verse 25. And the people, it's all about the people continued morning after morning to bring what they had. And in verse 27, it talks about the leaders. You know, leaders aren't exempt from it. The leaders are involved too, uh, from, from myself all the way through the church. Leaders were bringing onyx stones, that's precious jewels, to the offering. 
everyone had a part to play and they all identified with each other. And if he had talked to the average person in the Israelite camp, he or she would have known that they're not on their own. Uh, That's what campsites are like. You know, we do a camp in August called West Point and when you get together, you know, tents, they're thin, aren't they? Like, you you can, you hear arguments, you know. And, uh, you know, couples, like, sort of arguing and, you know, they can't really say it out loud so they just stare at each other. You know what they're thinking. Or um, I remember um, there was this young lad uh, who just used to snore like a foghorn. And if I was involved at all with planning where people would, would camp, I would put myself the other side of the, of the campsite to him because you could just hear him. Like, it was unbelievable. It's quite a gift, really. Um, but campsites can be like that. And if you went to someone in that campsite and asked them who they were, you know, they wouldn't say, oh, I'm Chris. I'm an Israelite. I, I identify with my people. You know what, you, you're always aware that people are around you in that kind of environment and it wasn't about individuals in the same way, that's the same for us. So they shared a common identity. You know what, we also share a common identity too. So when the call went out for them, no one would ever sat back and thought, oh, the, the Israelites are having a, a gift day. Hmm, that's, that's interesting, I wonder how they'll do. No, no, they're like, oh, that's me. Well, I'm involved, I'm, I'm part of this. You know, if... Uh, we are, we are part of this common identity and so God has called us to be part of something bigger and so we're joined as a body together we share this common identity and when God speaks to Centerpoint Church he speaks to every individual that calls Centerpoint their home or their family and you know there's moments throughout the whole of the Old and New Testament and they're always times of great joy and great blessing and so it's easy to come to sort of a couple of weeks like this and think it's some kind of like tax or something and it's a break in the program I'm looking forward to get back to the usual stuff because you know that's much easier to kind of stomach and you know what actually I don't believe this is a break in the program I believe this is what the church of God are called to do. That as we come together, we see great joy, we build unity, this faith grows as we, we come together in, in unison together to, to give to God. We share an identity with one another and so we are centre point. And that means we're a family. It means we care for one another. It means we meet together regularly. We welcome anybody and everybody to be part of us. We care for the lost. We support those in need. We're not the finished article. There's a great work ahead of us, but we're, we're always ready for action, like on the 4th of May. We're ready to step out into our community and do outreach, like on the 1st of June. We're ready to, to meet people where there are because we also know that we're all sinners, that we have messed up but we're people that have been forgiven and there is good news in that. There's good news of being children of the living God. And as we walk this journey of faith, wherever we are on that journey, we learn what it means to follow and obey God and we want to encourage people to hear the goodness of all that it means to be saved by grace and we share that identity together and it's good. And they did as well. They had a common identity that helped them to have faith for what they give, which is our third point, because they looked to the future and it gave them faith for the vision. Uh, They saw that their future was with God. So in chapter 36, verse 3, it said, They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work for constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. You know, they knew God's presence with them. But when they heard that God wanted to build like a house, a tabernacle, that he would be with them, that he would dwell with them and live with them, they knew that was a good thing. They saw like a future vision 
and they wanted to come to give for that and so they operated in faith to come and give for that preferred future vision that was up ahead of them. The tabernacle was their way of providing for that future that they wanted to see. When we give over these next few weeks, it is a faith venture. You know, we're giving uh, because we believe that God is going to use the money to bring about a preferred future that he will that he will bring, that he will choose to bring. We don't know all the answers, and neither did they. We don't know exactly how it will look, and neither did they. And we have a vision too, to see every life transformed by Jesus. And, uh, and we, we're seeing that, and it's great to see that, you know, at the baptisms. And I, I love, for both those testimonies, um, Maddie was like saying, oh, well, I was at uni, and there's a girl called Fabian who, who had been to Centrepoint, and she was like, oh, you've got to come. It's just, it's great. And she, you know, dragged me along, and I came, and, you know, my life's transformed, and it's great. And then Ryan was saying, oh, I went along to one of those Super Sundays, and it was just crazy, and all the kids were there. And, and, and for some reason, we came back again, and we came back again, and, Hey, it's good, this is good, and, and we're seeing lives transformed, and the proper response to a God-given vision is to respond in faith. It's like, what is your provision for the vision? We need to align our thoughts, our attitudes, our resources with the vision, and the Israelites, they were stirred. They knew that God wanted to dwell with them, and they wanted that too, so they invested in poles and tent pegs and whatever else was needed. They, those things were, were not really the thing, although they were required. You know, we wanted the same too, so as we invest in building the church it's very much the same as we go for more outreach or bibles or courses that will mean investing in things like postcards and leaflets and publicity and you know and stuff like that and all the kind of boring things but as we come we, we give to the lord for the work you know and those things are, are important for what we're doing because we want to see this preferred vision up ahead it's good for us to invest in those things and it would be easy to think well why do we need another course or why do we need to do that oh you know we're fine look we've got a room full of people this is this is great hey you know what every single church could increase by a thousand people and there'll still be more people that don't know Jesus that need to to hear the good news of the gospel and we'll still keep going even when we reach that point amen in faith we're going in faith god has revealed a preferred future to us and that's to be church as god intended so i want to encourage us to respond in faith and what we are looking for as a church is that to be a city on a hill it's you know when you've got a city on a hill it, it can't be ignored like the cathedral on the top of that hill you can't ignore it i often actually because i don't know my way around guildford well i'm starting to more, more and more i often look to this to that cathedral for my sense of direction where you know what the church is called to be a place a city on the hill where people can look for a sense of direction where's god where's god pointing me where's god calling me and that's what we're called to be as a church and prominent in our community so that if people hear that we're doing something they think oh i know them oh that's good i want to i want to go along i know that'll be quality i want to be part of that i know they care about the community i know they give to like 10 charities in 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 the surrounding area i want to be part of that as we interact with people through courses outreach bibles events ultimately we're believing they're going to find jesus that's the end goal isn't it they're going to come and react with jesus and um so our giving is a way of responding to the vision in faith just like the israelites and then lastly the people that gave met the criteria for giving and i really want you to hear if you hear anything hear these points the reality is that the giving wasn't for everyone that was the situation in this day. It wasn't for everyone. The call went out to everyone, regardless, with, en masse, without exception, but there were stipulations, there was criteria for who would, should then give. 
let me tell you what they are. The first one was, are they able? Moses said, from what you have, take an offering. You can't give what you don't have, is the reality. Oh, but I wanted to give X amount, but then my boiler broke and I had to pay to get that fit. You know what? God knows all that. He knows all that. He knows what situation you're in. You need to be released from any kind of guilt or pressure from that. You can only give from what you have. We're not calling you to go into debt, into credit card line or anything like that. That's not responsible. It's not good stewardship of money. That's not what we're calling you to do. We're calling you to, to give from what you have. That's what the Bible says. From what you have, take an offering. And it might mean putting things off that you were going to do. It might mean delaying that new car or whatever, you know, whatever. It might be, mean, um, in, you know, saving up the drink, the, the amount of drinks that you would have had during the week at the coffee shop or the pub or whatever and collecting that money and coming to give that. You know, it could be all sorts of things. I don't know what it might mean, but it's always from what you have, not from what you don't have. So, you know, don't... It's, I think it's immature to pray, Lord... Let me win the lottery so that I can give to the, you know, that's, don't, don't do that. You know, look at what you have, give from there. If you don't have it, you can't give it. But I think everyone can do something, but do it from what you have. You need to be willing. Seven times throughout the, the, the verses that we read, it says, only if you are willing. As we come to give, we believe that we give to what God is calling us to, but please understand that this is a free will offering. Those words are used several times as well. It's a free will offering. If you feel coerced, motivated by guilt, hassled, manipulated, or anything like that, please don't give. That's, that's not what we're called to give, how we're called to give in these series in, in, and in this passage. You're completely released from that. This isn't for you, I think Moses would say to you. This isn't for you if you feel like you're manipulated in any way. When Moses declared that this was a free will offering, this was not part of God's law. Other things were, like following the Ten Commandments and the ceremonial washing and sacrifice, but this wasn't. So this didn't make a difference between someone standing before God. They were loved by God whether they did this or didn't. They received full grace whether they did this or didn't. So nothing you do in this situation can bring you closer to God and nothing can take you further away from him. Does that make sense? And then the third thing is that their heart had to be moved. And you might say, well, isn't that just willing? No, I think it's different. So in verse 21, it's, it's basically saying, uh, I can't remember exactly what it says. It says, then the whole, no, no, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, everyone who was willing and whose heart was moved then came and brought an offering. It's like the and, it's both. And so willing is a kind of consent. It's like, hmm, yeah, all right, bruv, I agree with that. It's like consent. I agree with kind of what's going on and I'm happy with that. Heart being moved is like something stirred inside you. It's like you're seeing the preferred future for the vision and you're operating in faith for what God might do. And when your heart is moved, rather than coerced, you are compelled to give. When your heart is moved, rather than feeling guilty, you are motivated by grace to give. And this is the kind of giving I believe God's looking for. So as you decide what to give, let God work on your heart and allow him to reveal himself to you in that way. It's even okay to get excited about it, you know? It's okay to get excited about giving. You need to decide in your heart. In verse 20, it said, Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. I, basically, I love that what Moses did was he dismissed the whole community and they went back to their tents and that's where they decided what to do. So this wasn't like a hyped up, can I hear a thousand? Can I hear two thousand? You know, it wasn't that. 
But I don't think that's biblical. We see that, don't we, on American TV. This was not that. What they did was they... It, it, Moses was like, go home to your tents. And from what you have, have a look at what you've got. And if you are willing, and if you feel your heart's been stirred to move, gather your family together, pray about what you're going to do, and then come back. And do you know what? That's why we're not taking an offering today. Because I don't want anyone to... I want to follow a biblical pattern for our special offerings. And so I want to encourage you to do exactly the same, to, to go home. My encouragement is to go home and to ask yourself, are we willing? Then if you are, has, has my heart been stirred? And if it has, are, am I able? Have a look. What, what have I got? Is there something I can give? And then come back next week joyfully and cheerfully because God loves a cheerful giver. And do you know what? I would encourage you to involve your children too. And I'll say to them, hey, look, we're going to do this. We're going to do this together as a family. What, what should we do? Ask them, involve them. You know, they might be able to give something from their pocket money. And, you know, I would encourage them to bring them on the journey with you um, because, you know, God doesn't just speak to adults. He speaks to children as well. We, we believe that right now he is at work transforming their lives in the other screens as those children meet with God. Cool. So the people, they continue to bring free will offerings morning after morning. You know, it was a seasoning of giving. And for the Israelites, this wasn't a wearisome, gruesome season. It, it did have an end. And I guess what was going on is they were seeing the pile get bigger and bigger. And they were just overjoyed and wanting to give. And they loved, they were just loving what was going on until Moses gets to the point, it's like, enough is enough. He's got to get tough. And he's like, no, no more. And verse 36, verse 6, it's like the people were restrained from bringing more. I mean, that's just remarkable. And all of that, I mean, can you imagine me restraining you guys? No, keep coming, keep coming. No, no, no. But what was going on was that, you know, there was just this type of giving, it doesn't come out of duty or coerciveness. This type of giving comes when your heart has been moved and you're stirred to give. It comes from faith. And so these things, it comes when you identify with God, when you know that he is with us and that he is your God. It comes when you identify with each other, that we are the people of God together on a mission to, as a family to serve him. It comes when you prefer the vision of the future and through faith, you look at what God is doing and, and you trust that through us as a church, he might be able to do more. It comes when you are able, willing, and your heart is moved and you look back at what you have and then you look to God and together in faith come together to give freely as an act of worship before him. Amen. Let's get the band up. You see, I, I don't know if you want to check the time. I've been uh, listening to your feedback and uh, we've been gaining feedback from our last preaching series and I wanted to have a really good time of worship at the end. And we've got 20 minutes to come and worship God together. And, you know, I love being the people of God because we can respond in faith. And today we're going to respond by just spending time in worship. I want to encourage you to allow God to move amongst us as he just comes and speaks to us. I want to encourage you to come and enjoy times of worship. You know, we're going to do exactly the same, actually, the next two weeks. We're going to come and enjoy times of worship together. And that will include our giving. But this week, we're just going to come and worship him. We're going to pray to him. And if you feel God stirring you with anything prophetic, you just want to come and pray. It doesn't have to be related to giving. It could be related to anything. If you feel God has got uh, speaking to someone through scripture or through pictures, you know there's time now where we can come and enjoy his presence. So why don't you just stand together? I want to pray. I want to hand over to our worship team and to Catherine who's going to lead us through. Father God, I just want to 
thank you so much for your word. We believe that it's living and active, that it's useful to us today, even though written many years ago. Lord, we, we, we trust your word. We build our lives on it as a firm foundation and on Jesus the Son, who fulfilled everything, Lord God, that we see in the Old Testament and in the New. And we just pray this morning, Lord God, as we come and we consider this, this topic, as we come and consider this series and all that we're doing, I pray, Lord God, that, that we would have you in our, our mind's eye, that we would look to you as the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, I pray, help us, Lord God, to look up to you and to what you might be doing in this place. Help us to look with eyes of faith. Lord, I pray, help, help us, Lord God, where we have hardened hearts. Lord God, I pray, soften us. Lord, I pray, give us the courage where we, we, we're not willing, actually, not, not to feel pressure or guilt to give. Lord, we want to be cheerful, generous and joyful givers. Help us, Lord God, to see this as a wonderful act of unity, togetherness. Lord, we all want to play our part. Help us, Lord, none of us to be excluded, all of us to be involved in all that you're doing amongst us. Have your way, Lord God, I pray. We worship you, we love you. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.